Let's open up to Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8. And this morning, I'm just going to share a little bit with you about our trip to Israel. And uh, it's amazing. Um, People are asking me, what was your greatest event? What was the most uh, important thing that you've experienced so far? Sergeant Anthony asked me that when we saw him Monday morning. He said, "What, what, what stood out to you the most? I said, well, for me, just coming in Jerusalem, the presence of God flooding that bus that we were in and everybody on the bus beginning to weep and you don't even understand it. There's something about the city of God. And, uh, but for me as a whole, uh, I'm still processing. I told Denny Stahl, he's the pastor from uh, uh, Oregon, this was his fifth trip. And I said, bro, I can't even handle all this. He goes, that's all right, you'll get home and all goes over. But he didn't know what he was talking about either. So it was, uh, it, it did, you, you just, you, you can't, it's overwhelming when you think about it. And, and going through a land that you've heard about and believed in and had faith for and then to walk through that. So I'm just going to read through this. And I, I thought, how could I do this? I put together a little slide presentation movie and uh, to show you here at the end. But I just want to read through this experience with you. I kind of did it in a chronological thing so that it'll it'll tie in with what you're going to see in the clips that I prepared. I've been finding it hard to process, let alone explain. Thank you, son. The experience of going to Israel and walking in the land that is alive with the presence of God. That's the only way I can explain it. Everywhere you go, you sense the presence of God. Israel is alive with the presence of God. It's the place that God said, I will dwell here. And when you get to Mount Zion and you get to the Temple Mount and you're there, God says, this is where I will set my name and this is where I will dwell. Wow. So... It's alive with the presence of God. I don't desire to rush past it or to move on too quickly, but rather to wait upon the Lord to see what He will further reveal to my heart and my understanding. I can give you an overview of six days in a land in a few minutes, but it would take more time than what we have to begin to tell you of the impression this trip has made within my spirit. Most of all, I found out that we are limited in our understanding of God's Word without a more thorough knowledge of His land and His people. What I mean by that, I don't believe we can truly know God without knowing His land and His people. A lot of, I'm just telling you, a lot of things that we believe or we're taught or we try to figure out just don't mesh with the whole picture. There's a timeless presence in both of them that cannot be denied or extinguished. By that I mean in God's land and in God's people, Israel, there is a timeless presence in them. When you get around, there's something about. For me, the people are, as, are more interesting, if you would, than the land itself. God's people. We call them Jews. He calls them Israel. Not just Jews. He says in Jacob, he changed Jacob's name to Israel. Because when God sees His people, He sees them all in one. They are all in Jacob. Israel is Jacob or is in Jacob. 
the same way you and I are in Christ. God sees us as one man in Him. God sees all of Israel as one man in Jacob. And as sure as God is keeping His Word to us in one man in Christ Jesus, God is keeping His covenant Word to Israel in one man in the covenant that He made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? And God said, I will establish my covenant with your son Isaac and Jacob. Praise the Lord. So for me, how do we talk about this? How do you describe the feeling of standing on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea at Caesarea? Or driving past the Roman theater where the Apostle Paul was known to have preached? Or driving over a hill and seeing for the first time a glimpse of the Sea of Galilee? As you travel from one site to the next, your mind and spirit are racing with excitement. As you recall the events you read about, heard about, and have even preached about. Yet now you are standing in the land where they took place. The Bible is no longer a historical account of ancient events in a land far away. It is a living testimony of the history of God walking with man in the land He has chosen for Himself and for His people Israel. To think about it, to visit Migdal where Jesus healed and delivered Mary Magdalene. To walk through Capernaum where Jesus based His ministry during the Galilean, Galilean period of His days, performing numerous miracles and teaching the multitude. To enter the ruins of a synagogue that was built on top of the one He taught in. And, but I mean that almost every place we go, there's only a handful of places where they say, this is the place. When we first got on the bus and we're driving through the land, we, our, our tour guide's name was Abraham. That was awesome. Amazing man. Been doing tours for 30 years. 20 tours a year for 30 years. Uh, he made every pastor on the bus feel stupid. I'm serious. This guy is, is a Jew, and not even a Messianic Jew, and he knows my Bible better than I do, after studying for all these years. The history and everything, it's, just, it's amazing. And, 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 and as you ride through the land, he makes it come alive. Every place we stop, he, he just begins to bleh. And you're going like, wow, I, I haven't even caught up with when we got on the bus and you said Hello. And it's like, but, but he's driving through the land as we're, we're, we're approaching Caesarea and the Mediterranean Sea and the Roman and Herod's aqueduct there to get water. He's talking about, look out here. If you dig anywhere, you will find ruins. And you dig down and, 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 and there'll be little statue or, or little columns sticking up. And he goes, see, that, 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 that's where people found ruins. They just stood them up in the place where they were. And so you see just history everywhere. And when you're at Jerusalem, he goes, we're standing right here, but the original city is 45 feet below us. We're on, on top of 45 feet of fill and rubble, but if you dig down 45 feet from here, you'll get to the original foundation, to the original building. And so that's what I mean. It's, a, it's an amazing place. When we're there in that temple, Capernaum, there was a temple built on top of the place where the temple was when Jesus was there. And you'll see a picture of that when we're in Capernaum there. To enter the ruins of that synagogue. To stand on the shores of Galilee where He called to His disciples after His resurrection and cook breakfast for them. When Jesus called them, Hey, do you have any meat? Do you have anything to eat in John 20? And that's where He asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he restored Peter. 
But that place, that, that's one of the places that, that, that they don't doubt. This is the actual spot from historians in that day. And there's a rock there that, where the sea was up and it's carved in it with a boat dock and a launch there. And then you go inside of a, of, of a little uh, church that is there and the actual rock is supposed to be there where Jesus was cooking. That's pretty cool. Amen. To see the, the millstones and the oil press from his day that he used as illustrations when he taught. When Jesus said, hey, hey it's better for you to cast a millstone around your neck. And, and, and there in the streets of Capernaum, in the courtyards where the ruins are, they've execrated these millstones for grinding wheat. And they are huge. These huge stones. And, 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 and our guy, that's what he's talking about. That's what you tied around your neck. He wasn't talking about something like this. He's talking about a grinding and, and the olive press that is there, it's just amazing. The things that you see. Think about this. To walk upon the mountain where he sat and taught the Beatitudes. Seeing all around the natural beauty that he used in his sermon. The lilies of the field. As you're driving up the hill. Here's the hillside. And you see Jesus sitting on the mountain. And when he's talking about that the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin. And while he's preaching that. You look out across the hillside. And here are lilies on the hillside of the field that are blooming. When, when he gives a parable of, of, of the sower. And the wayside ground. And the stony ground. And the thorny ground. And the good ground all those different fields are around you so people who are listening to him it's a living illustration around him it's amazing so you're going hey and i'm kind of like this dude anybody could preach here <laughs> anyway but to worship there and to feel his presence and then to enter a boat and cross over to the other side just like he said to his disciples of the sea of galilee Pausing in the middle and teaching a lesson on the in-between place and the call of the rabbi. We pushed out, they stopped the boat. Like I said before I left, Randy had asked me, hey, when we do the boat ride, would you bring the devotion in the middle? I said, yeah. So they pulled us out there and it was so calm. It was amazing. It, it was just crystal glass flat. No wind, no nothing. And they stopped the boat, turned the motor off. And I got to preach about the in-between place. And about the rabbi who came and said, follow me. It was an amazing experience. Who would have dreamed? To see water so calm, you actually felt like walking was a possibility. I literally got up on the rail. <laughs> and Pastor Doug and Joy were going, go for it, Don, go for it. <laughs> I did. I looked. It was everything within me. We had a young lady. I was pretty close to stripping and going in. <laughs> Amen. But we had a young lady with us, Jessica. Praise the Lord. Amen. You haven't been there. You don't know what it was like. It was amazing. Amen. You, you, you thought about it. Amen. Think about it. To see in the distance as you're crossing the shores of Gergesia. Where Jesus healed and delivered the man possessed by the legion of demons. To arrive on the other side at Engevi. And to eat fish and bread on the other side as they would have eaten it in their day. To have the honor of going to the Israel-Jordan border and meet with a squad of IDF soldiers. Actively patrolling in defense from Hamas. While we were there and we're meeting with the soldiers. The guy who was is, who is walking us through this kibbutz is what they call the community living. And he says, hey, no, right now Hamas is watching you. 
And, and there's a road right there about from here. We were as close to the border as from here to the exit door to the, to the building here. And, uh, and, and they're patrolling this road and they're, they're act, an active patrol of the soldiers running up and down that road. And they have a drag that they pull behind their Humvees and they drag the road and then they come behind the next day to watch for footprints to see if anybody crossed after they drag it in the morning and in the evening. They drag it twice a day watching for footprints and people infiltrating their borders and that. But he says, be sure while you're giving out your gifts and you're hugging with these guys and taking pictures, Hamas is on these hills actually right now in real time watching you do this. And uh, just amazing. So that was a quick jolt back to the reality of the life they live every day. While we were there at that kibbutz, they took us down. They, they have a small school there for their children that live there for the elementary age. And right next to it is a bomb shelter. And they take us down in that bomb shelter that, that is bomb proof. It's under 12 feet, 12 foot thick of concrete. And you go down into this. It's just an amazing thing. And they, what they do is they periodically through the week, that once or twice a week, they take the kids down there and, and they have like recess in there so they're comfortable with being in the bomb shelter so that a moment's notice. When they say get in, it doesn't matter. It is get in. And it's been six years since they had a rocket fired there. And you'll see a picture of the guy holding a rocket that was a dud that landed very close to him, right next to him, but it didn't go off. So it's his souvenir. But that's the life they live every day. They never know when the attack will come. But when it comes, you, you live. So that's the reality of their everyday life. And then to drive from Galilee to the Dead Sea along the Jordan through the fertile fields that declare God's word is being fulfilled to make the desert blossom and be fruitful. To pass Samaria and then Jericho on the way to Masada. And recall that you're driving over the land in the very vicinity where God led His people to cross the Jordan and began to possess their inheritance. Where the waters parted when the priests touched their toes to the river and the walls fell down when Joshua gave the command to shout. To stand atop Masada and sense the resolve of a people that would choose to end their own lives and the lives of their own children as free people rather than to accept capital and slavely by the Roman army. What they said is we choose to die free before living as a slave. And so what happened was over 900 people ended their lives, voluntarily ended their lives and their children. All that remained out of all those that were Sada was seven people, two women and five children that, were, that, that, that had gotten separated and were buried in some of the rubble and were discovered there. And then to leave there and ascend up to Jerusalem, arriving as a Shabbat or their Sabbath begins. As we pull in Jerusalem, we pull in and then we go to, to a viewpoint up above the city to, to have a, a, wine, a, a, a grape juice communion there, wine communion there. And hearing the sound as we get out of the bus, you hear the sound of the shofar yeah, and the call to prayer. I mean, we get out of the bus, you hear all across Jerusalem, you hear the call to prayer. It was just right at that hour. It was amazing, amazing. And, uh, and then on Monday, to, and, and to literally feel the presence of God flood in to your bus. And to have Sergeant Anthony ask you, did you feel God's presence as you came into Jerusalem? He said, yeah. Dude. Jerusalem is the city of God. But think about this. 
to walk through the gate to the old city, the Dung Gate, to walk to the Western Wall with thousands of Jews as they usher in the Shabbat, to be able to make your way to the wall while they're singing, dancing, praying, weeping, and rejoicing in the presence of God, sensing a tangible anointing stronger than anything you have ever felt in your life, feeling a confidence of God hearing your prayers, and having faith to believe for every request to be answered that did not need to be supported by anything else other than just being there. It was something so amazing to be there. And, and as you look around, and I started thinking many times we wonder what's different. But if you look in our religious culture today, we have different beliefs. We meet different ways. We follow different leaders. We're asking, how come that guy dresses like that? And that guy dresses like that? And that guy's acting like that? Because whatever their rabbi tells them, whatever rabbi they're under, whatever doctrine they're following, that's what they're, they're, they're acting out. Are you with me? We do the same thing. People say, how come you go to this church? Why do they do that? Why do they do We're exactly the same. Hello? We, we have all of our own uniqueness. But there's something there that was so amazing. But you're watching one group over here and they're all joined in arms in a circle and they're dancing and they're singing. There are others that are weeping and wailing and a whole group of young men coming down the, the ramp into the wall there and they're grouped in arms and just young uh, teenage, college-age young men just rejoicing and shouting. And, and the crazy thing is that, yes, they have segregation. There's a, there's a fence up there where the women stay behind and this whole courtyard is filled with just men praising. God. I'm telling you, there's something about men praising God. There's something amazing about men praising God. We, we had a wonderful time. We would go into different places, and there were 33 of us as pastors, and every time we got in a little place we, and we felt like God, we just started singing. It was like having a traveling 33-voice vo men's choir. It was amazing. We just, it, it just flowed together. We had some great singers, so we had some good harmony in there and a lot of great melody. It was powerful. Little Abraham was, was overwhelmed. He had a blast. Amen. And uh, I can just tell you this. I've been in, in, in a lot of great prayer services since the anointing of God. I have never felt anything like that. We think, I'm just telling you, church, we think we got it. Anything we got, we got from them. We have by exchange. We have by being grafted in. We didn't create it. We're not inventing anything. The presence of God was so powerful. You walk in. I've never been in so many places where you just walk into places and you begin to weep uncontrollably. You don't know why. But the presence of God, the life of God. I'm telling you, this is a living land filled with the living presence of God. It's amazing to walk down the Mount of Olives, to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, to touch and pray over the rock where Jesus prayed. This is the second place that we got to the, that they said this is an undisputed place. The rock that Jesus prayed on in the Garden of Gethsemane to be able to go into that temple to kneel down and pray on the rock where Jesus prayed for us. Powerful. On the night that he was betrayed, offering up his strength for our weakness. To look down upon the innumerable graves in the Kidron Valley facing east, awaiting his return and the resurrection. It's amazing there as you look on the western slope. It, it's a, the western bank of the Kidron Valley, but it faces east. And it's lined with literally hundreds of thousands of graves of Jewish people that are there. 
And they're waiting, looking for the Messiah who's going to split the eastern sky. And their faith for resurrection. Powerful. And we're standing there and you're looking at all the graves underneath the temple wall. And Abraham goes, those are all Muslims over there and none of them are going anywhere. <laughs> Muslims are buried on the, that side. They're standing. Amen. Awesome. Hallelujah. Think about it. To walk down the steps. Think about this. To walk down the steps that he literally walked to prayer. That was the third thing. There are steps over below, just above the city of David in Caiaphas' house that come around the place where Jesus was judged in Caiaphas' courtyard. And they have it marked. These are literally, they've dug down archaeologically. And these are literally the steps that Jesus would have walked down going to the Garden of Gethsemane and going to the Mount of Olives and then going back up to the upper room area. Hallelujah. So we walk down that night to prayer and then back to be judged and sentenced to death. To stand in the site that commemorates the upper room and to pray there, sing there, worship there, and then have a suddenly from God. How many know in Acts chapter 2 it says, and suddenly there came in the sound of the... We had a suddenly. It was amazing. We were in there. Pastor Doug was up his preaching and he's going, do it again, God! Doug, he's awesome. <laughs> do it again! God came! Do it again, God! We need it! God, do it again! So we're singing and we're praising. We're worshiping God. God's falling in that place. And then all of a sudden, this crowd of people come in behind us. Pretty soon more, and you kind of get a glance out of your eye, and the whole room is filled up with people. And they're entering in with us. And Doug's going, do it again. Do it again, God. I need more. I need more. And everybody's praying. We're praying for one another. And then as soon as we end, these people begin to embrace us and hug us. And they say, oh, are you pastors? We say, yeah, we're all pastors. And he goes, oh, we are pastors. And it turns out that they were French Pentecostal gypsies. And it's kind of like God says, nice try, but this is how you do it. Are you ready with that, Eli? Could we kill these lights just for a second? So as soon as we finished, they began. It was amazing. It was amazing. But suddenly, see, I put in here, the sound of His voice came into that place, remembering that we're the creation of a talking God. I said it to you before I left. We read in the beginning, God said, and it was as He spoke. He's the God that still speaks and creates today. And when we receive His Word spoken and planted in our heart, it has the same creative force that it had in the beginning. And new life and new creation take place. A God who speaks to His man desires that His man who speaks would speak to His God. He desires to hear our voice and our desire should be to hear His. I had some notes I was going to read. I'll save those for another time. God has made a way for us to speak to Him and for us to hear His voice and not be afraid. He's given us His Spirit. We are to be a people of the Spirit. Flesh cannot speak to Spirit, nor hear the voice of the Spirit. Our God asked, what is this? I'm serious. We're in that room. And, 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 and Abraham went up to Doug said, what is this? 
I've never felt any. Listen, he's been a guide for 30 years. He says, what is this? I've never felt anything like this. And typical Doug goes, it's the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost, brother, right now. Receive it. Little Abraham's like, dude, I just want to know what it is. Amen. But watch this. Abraham started out talking about God. By the third day, this is what he was saying. Listen. The good Lord has given us many miracles. There were things that God was doing and orchestrating on this trip as we went from place to place at this little man who's led numerous trips there. And I felt like we were sent there as much for him as he was sent there for us. Just a divine thing. And God was rocking his world while he was rocking ours and was showing himself to him. Think about it. Then to walk from there and to stand down in the town square. I told you to turn to Zechariah 8. Watch this. Remember when I told you when I met Daniel about Samaria saying that Jeremiah 31.5, that vineyards will again be planted on the hills of Samaria. Abraham took us from the upper room and we walked in through the Zion Gate and we went into the, the Jewish quarter of old Jerusalem. And in there in the middle of the square, he said, stop here. It says, read Zechariah 8. Begin with verse 1 and I'll tell you when to stop. Listen. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal. With great fervor, I am zealous for her. Thus says the Lord. I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women shall again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in his hand because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the street. And while we're reading, Abraham's going, look. And you look around. And there in Jerusalem, that if you trace back its history, almost 12 times has that city been besieged and destroyed and rebuilt. And yet God said what God said to, the, to Israel in Zechariah, you're standing in the midst of that word being fulfilled. I have a picture of two teenage boys standing there going, in that courtyard. But as you look around, you're standing in the living performance of God's word to Zechariah. It is a, listen, thus says the Lord of hosts, it is a, it, if it is marvelous in the eyes of the what? Remnant of this people in these days, will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord. And Abraham's going, look at this. Isn't this marvelous? Wow. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. And I will bring them back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people and I shall be their God in truth and righteousness. Wow. Think about it. To see it being fulfilled right before your eyes. You become fully aware that an awesome God is doing a marvelous thing. 
He is in parallel fashion fulfilling his everlasting covenant with the remnant of his people and keeping his promise to us at the same time. Just look at me just for a moment. God just showed this to me. There's something that's happening right now. God has made covenant with Israel and he's made a promise to us as his people. And there is a parallel flow of what God is doing in the spirit. There is a time when, when, when this dispensation ends and the church is taken out and God goes back to working with Israel and judging nations. But these two things are flowing parallel. We're on the same highway. But there is a parallel flow. And until you go to Israel, I would like to take everybody that's bought into any type of replacement theology, stick their butt in Jerusalem, and say, chew on this for a few minutes. Because there is no way that we can replace Israel, or God is replacing Israel. There is a parallel flow, and God is keeping His Word in both arenas. Somebody ought to say Amen. Amen. Keeping His promise to us at the same time. Then to spend your last day at the Holocaust Memorial and to view the resiliency and determination of God's people. To become aware that you have never truly suffered for your faith and your identity as a child of God. We often make jokes and side comments of suffering for Jesus. They have been hated and suffer for one reason. God named them and called them out simply because they are Jews. And then to go to the shrine of the book. Do you know that in that eastern culture, you and I are called a people of the book? That the Jews are called a people of the book because they believe and live by the Bible, God's book. And when they found the Dead Sea Scroll, they, they, they have them there and God preserved them. And they declare, God preserved a perfect testimony to the truth and validity of the scriptures that we read today. To look at the scaled model of the city of Jerusalem in the days of Christ and be able to visualize his steps there as he taught and was tortured and led to die on a cross for our sins. To end your time in Jerusalem at the garden tomb. To see the place that is most likely where he was crucified for you. At the tomb that is most probably where he was buried. Yet rose victoriously the third day. Triumphantly over sin, hell, death and the grave. To have a communion service there. And to sing praises to your God. In a place with 32 men of like precious faith. All I'm saying is people say, what was your greatest moment? I'm still processing all of this. Amen. Amen? It, the, the whole thing was a moment. I'm going to ask him to turn the lights down. I put together this little slideshow for you. And I put some music to it that talks about the gospel and help us to remember that this is the land of our Savior. This is where Jesus came, He lived, and He died. And the beauty of it all, never forget that this is where God chose to birth our redemption, the land of redemption. Go ahead, Eli, if you're ready. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see There is light When you look at the Savior And life more abundant and free So turn your eyes upon Jesus 
And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. His word shall not fail. That's the ruins of the city of Capernaum. He promised the olive press. Believe him. And you will be well Then go to a world that is dying Abraham His perfect salvation to tell Just Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strange. In the light of his glory and grace, just turn your eyes upon Jesus. I stood in old Jerusalem. 
was on its streets and the gates they were open wide that all mighty and no one was denied no need of moon or the stars by night for the sun to shine by day Therefore it was the new Jerusalem 
the day And have you 
and traced the path his steps have trod. Once you met the man of Galilee, who calms the storms and makes blinded eyes to see. give an overview is one thing, to show pictures and share the beauty, but to fully absorb it in just a few days is impossible. Yet I think that's what we've missed about God. We have oversimplified an awesome and amazing God. We think we can know Him at a glance, understand Him in a moment, comprehend His ways with ease, and speak of Him with confidence without even the slightest bit of hesitation. I want you to hear that again. I think we've oversimplified God. He's awesome and amazing. We think we can know Him at a glance. You turn this down just a touch, Aaron understand Him in a moment and comprehend His ways with ease and speak for Him with confidence without even the slightest bit of hesitation. I have a newfound awe of God. He's worthy of all. All we will ever have or ever be. His plans, His ways, His love and His grace are beyond the depth of a lifetime of discovery, yet exceedingly worthy of our lifetime being given to explore them. What we think we know of Him is far less than who He is. His majesty and beauty will always be wondrous to behold. If you see anything, if you could hear anything, 
The depth of God is beyond what you and I could ever comprehend. I'm amazed when you walk through that van. Say, God, you're amazing. To meet a people that He's preserved, that this world has tried to destroy and to try to understand what God did in calling them out. We read about Abraham. You think God went and took a man and called him out and said, Out of you I will make a people. And I will show myself to the world through you. And then he gives him a promise. I'm going to give you this land. Canaan. Palestine. You walk through this land that everybody's warring against. You see a world focused on this spot. 60 miles wide is its widest point. Just barely over 300 miles long, the side of New Jersey. That's it. Yet the whole world focused there. God's amazing. And I'm telling you, He is worth a lifetime of discovery. And He'll always be worthy of all you could give Him. The only thing I can do today is I can assure you one thing. That there is truly a God who is bigger than all of your fears. Stronger than any adversary you will ever face. And who will never fail at one word He has spoken concerning you. Sergeant Anthony with us again on Monday morning, our last day there. And he ended his talk again just quoting that Bible verse of Deuteronomy. Every soldier when they go into active duty, they leave training, they're ready to go out. They give them a Bible. And underlining that Bible is in Deuteronomy says that when you go out to war and your enemy is more numerous than you, more men, more chariots, everything don't be afraid for the Lord your God is with you I can assure you that if anything God's bigger in my eyes than he's ever been before he's greater if there's anything I could bring back in a part I, I can't comprehend I mean, I can't communicate what it was like to see people. I, I, I read yesterday, I did, had to do some research. Could they put the tallit on their, and you read that and you see, wow, why they have boxes on their heads and a box on their arm and wrapped and the way they wrap it. Because in Deuteronomy it says, bind it on your mind. Keep it in the midst of your heart so this isn't wrap it and tie it to you. Bind your life with the word and see people not being religious but with love. I sat next to a young Jewish boy on Sunday morning when we went there. He's got a little pulpit and he's in a corner. His face is in the book and he's weeping as he reads the scriptures. I said, God, give us a love for your word. We go, oh, we're alive with the Spirit. When was the last time in prayer you wept with your face in the book? And you were saying, God, 
Perform your word concerning me. Perform your word concerning They're saying, God, perform your word, oh God. Weeping. And we're the ones that are supposed to be alive with God. Maybe you're here today. I know this. Today, you can be saved by grace. You can be filled with His Spirit. God will do it again. You can be healed in body. You can be delivered in mind. You can be set free. You can be restored and you can be renewed. Today. Rick's going to lead us in this song. If you need God to touch your life. I'm going to ask you to make this a wall of prayer. And your petition. They bring their petitions. They fold them. They write their prayers. They fold them. They go to that wall and they find a place and they pray. They shove it in the wall. God, this is the remains of your temple. They stick it in there. Believe God. Then every week they go through and they take those prayer requests out. And they burn them as an incense to God. My Bible tells me that God collects the prayers of the saints. And the tears. We're walking down the Mount of Olives. There's a temple there in, in, in the mountain. In shape, it's made, Greek Orthodox thing, but it's made there. And it has vials on the end, and it symbolizes tears running down. And I know I probably should have known this, but Abraham goes, that symbolizes tear vials. And in Bible times, the women used to wear little vials around their neck. And when they would cry, they would collect their tears in a bottle. And they would carry them and remember that there will be a day that God will wipe away our sorrows. And so when it says that the woman came and knelt at Jesus' feet, she washed his feet with her tears. She didn't weep over him. She opened her vial and poured those tears on his feet. telling you, you're not believing in a fable. Man hasn't concocted what we call faith. There is a living God. And if you don't know Him, you could meet Him right now. Father, today, Lord, let us find you here. Let us find you here. God, let us make this a place that you would abide in, that your presence would come to this place.
God, give us love for you. Like they have for you, God. Father, renew my love for you. As Rick sings, if you'd like to spend a moment in prayer before we leave, would you come? You could, you could by faith put a prayer. God's place of presence. God, I'm here in your house. This is your house. The place where you've set your name for my life. I don't live in Jerusalem. I live here. And this is the place where you've set your name for my life. I come believing that I can call upon you here. And you will answer me. Yeah. Let him draw you closer, Lord, to you. For I desire to worship and obey. Jesus, draw me close, closer, Lord, to you. Draw me close.